Welcome back to another Two Guys, One Topic expert interview. I'm Ollie. And I'm Liam. And this week, our topic was sumo wrestling. And Liam, we needed to find ourselves a topic expert, didn't we? Have we or have we not found the best one, Ollie? <laughs> I, I know we we're pretty good at finding experts. We have managed to find an actual sumo wrestler. Now, not only that, this guy... Well, this guy was at the time the heaviest ever sumo wrestler, weighing in at 47 stone. That's mental. But he was very successful, wasn't he? Very, very successful. He's very close to being Yokozuna. He was the level below that, which is called an Ozeki. Um, he was the first foreigner to ever make that. With a nickname, the Meat Bomb and the Dump Truck. This is our fantastically interesting interview with Konoshiki Yasokichi. Konishiki, thank you so much for joining the Two Guys One Topic podcast. Yeah, bro, I'm just another guy on the other side of the world. Plus two guys, <laughs> yeah, but certainly an expert in a uh, sumo. So, um, I think the first thing we we always ask to our experts: Can you just tell us a brief history about how you got into sumo, and you know how how you ended up as our expert? Like, like how did that story go? Well, it's 40 years ago I started sumo. In fact, this year, it's my 40th anniversary here in Japan. Wow. So I came out at 18. Um, I had no interest or I had no um, knowledge of sumo before become, before come, becoming a sumo wrestler at 18. It just happened. I was um, actually uh, cutting out a class, and I was down at the beach surfing, and there was a guy that actually toured Japan, all of Japan, around the world, what we call to the WWF, the wrestling. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There's a there's a man who's a legend in Hawaii. His name they call him the King, the King Bert, the King Curtis Okay. He's he's a Hawaiian man, who's who's a legend to the islands, and he and he's a legend in wrestling too. You got to research his name; it's gonna pop up. But anyway, he was uh, retired and in 1982. I was at the beach almost every day. I, I act like I went to school, but I didn't. I would go to school, check in, have breakfast at school, and then jump in my car and go down and surf. <laughs> so he would he would see me at the beach and he would like, hey, come here. He would call me over and tell me, are you that number 79 that plays for Pac-5, the football team, my high school team? Uh, yeah, yeah, uncle, I'm, I'm number 79. Yeah, I think you should be a sumo wrestler, he, he tells me. Am I looking at him and go, hey, uncle, I have no idea what sumo is. What yeah. is sumo? <laughs> and he goes, no, you got to be a sumo guy. When I was in Japan, this grand champion, you look like him. I thought, who the hell is this guy talking about? <laughs> so in Hawaii, to respect, we cannot actually walk away from somebody's an elder if they're talking to us. So he kept me out, out of the water all the days I went. I would sit and talk to him all throughout the, the meetings that we had. And he just explained to me, well, sumo is uh, this and that. And then he told me that a guy who actually got me into sumo was another Hawaii legend. Uh, Takamiyama, who actually was already in sumo, he joined in 1964, and uh, he was the first foreigner act and made it. So there was already a, uh, a there was already a guy there before who got beat in sumo, and he made it as a top wrestler, Takamiyama. So he actually said, "Well, Takamiyama is coming to Hawaii, and you should go meet him." Without me not knowing that anything about sumo, I, all I need all I knew is this. Okay, I gotta go meet this guy because this elder man told me to go meet him, and okay, because okay. everybody, 
yeah, the king that everybody knows his old man name, due respect, I just gonna go and see this guy Takamiyama, who I didn't really know who he was. I had no knowledge of sumo. So I went and talked to him and said, This is he speaks a real shortly sumo and this. And if you if you work hard and you know the things you hear today, work hard and put everything, you can make it as a sumo share and you can actually you can actually make a living out of sumo. Then um, I talked to him, and then I remember at the hotel, it's my first time eating at the Poussaite Hotel, so like an 18-year-old kid, you know? Never been to, at a hotel in the Poussaite eating lunch, and I was like, oh, shit, free food. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> I had no money at the time, so so after the conversation, I just I just took it to myself. All I wanted to know if I, it would cost my family anything. I thought, do I have to worry about how to get there, or when I get there, do I have... How do how do I live in Japan when I get there? And see, well, you live in a stable, you become a sumo part of the sumo stable. You come of the wrestlers out of the school, or we call it clubs. They call it stable, but it's clubs, right? Okay. So I tell a lot. As long as I don't, it doesn't cost anything to my parents. I'll go. And that's where it started. I just said, "Well, I'm going." Then. And then after many less than a month, I think it was sometime in late May or late May, I met him and. June 18, I was gone, like less than a month. I, wow. I just, and then I told my parents a week before I left. I told my parents I'm going to Japan. They look at me like, what the hell is wrong with this kid? My mom had a bad mouth. She like swear at me like, what the hell are you thinking? You're fucking kidding. God damn it. What you not telling us what you're going to do. I'm going to Japan and she goes, what the hell is Japan? I don't, I don't know. My, mom, my my parents are Samoan, so my mom doesn't speak any English. So he goes, what the hell are you going to Japan? Where is Japan? I go, I don't know. I'm going to find out. What the hell are you going to do in Japan? I'm going to be a Samoan. I don't know. I've never done it before. Like, you freaking kid, you freaking dummy. So they, they just noticed you playing football. Were, were you a big guy then? You know, as you're playing football at 18, they must have seen you're this big guy and and I was you know, already what like, you're doing on the was, on the pitch would translate to sumo. I was already what about three hundred pounds. I was actually, oh wow, I ran, I ran a lot. I could dunk a tennis ball. And I was like, a, I'm about one hundred eighty-five uh, centimeters, and I was at least one hundred fifty kilos, one hundred sixty kilos in high school, and I played a lot of football and love love sports. I did every sport you can think about, from golfing to boxing to so. Yeah. Um, athletic wise, I didn't really. Yeah, I wasn't worried about my ability. I was, I, and I was a powerlifter. I was benching five hundred pounds before I graduated. No steroids. I eat mayonnaise and taro to get okay. all my bulk. <laughs> I squatted over. Th- I squatted over six hundred pounds when I was seventeen. Wow! I was okay. like a, a monster. Lifting weights was like a uh, like a hobby for me. I would do it before school. During like during lunch, and then after my football practice, American football practice, me and my best friend will always be the last to leave the gym because we're always lifting weights after the after cool. practices. Also. Nice. And then then going back to so when you actually you actually became sumo wrestler, you're in the stable. Like, what was the the day to day life like for you? So what what does it entail? Like sleep, train, eat, repeat. Well, it's it's a repetition of the same thing for all your life. For the 16 years, I was in sumo. It's actually repetition. The, the biggest difference when you join, it's hard work. People got to understand when you come into sumo, it's not like you grab you grab your gym bag. You 365 days and practice is the easiest part of life. Okay. The way you live life in a stable, you're actually um, 
you have to treat your peers. You have to like what you call apprentices to your peers, your senior guys. Yeah. So everything is not by rank. It's by how, how early you join. So when I joined, I was 18, but there are guys that soon, even now, as long as you can graduate from junior high school, you can start at 15. So when I joined at 18, this because they're senior wrestlers to me, I have 15 year old guys telling me what to do, go clean the toilets, go wipe down the floors and all that stuff. So all the work that we do, we don't have like, like a prefer, professional group of uh, people that actually help us with our massages or cleaning and cooking. We do that all ourselves, every okay. single, every single work, everything. And that's and that's how the lower rank guys do. And that's all the work you gotta do plus try to be the best you can as a sumo wrestler. So people that don't know sumo actually just see the outside of it. But like if 100 kids joined this year, I guarantee you 70 to 80% cannot have the quit and run away. Wow. That's how hard sumo is. Yeah. That was one of the things when when we were looking into it, just how there's so much more to it than than what's on the face of it. And we found it's such an interesting topic. Well, the thing is, you represent a culture. It's not even considered like a sport, and because it's it's tradition and it's the only sport that it's under the government's umbrella. It's not it's not a private sector or a private company. It's actually under the government. That's why it's tax free, not for us, but whatever we do, the arenas that we have, it's all tax free. It doesn't pay any taxes. But the hard thing about it, you do one little, you do little mad, a little mad thing. You know, and it's been proven like the past 10 years, how many grand champions got kicked out of school because they're getting in trouble and they're fighting against each other. Now, tell me a sport that they fight against each other in the, in the Western world. They love that. That's yeah, media. Yeah. yeah. They're fighting against each other. More work, more work, uh-huh. more work. Not in Japan, not in sumo. You, 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 you do something that disrespects the sumo, the sumo culture. You don't care if you're Michael Jordan or whoever you think. You can be the best of the best. It doesn't matter. Put out. Kinoshiki, was the lifestyle part a surprise? Is that something that you were expecting? If you're saying you went over 18 and you didn't know anything about it, like, was that a shock? Well, for me, I didn't expect anything I did. Okay, for instance, I can talk about my first six months. When I got into the stable, I was a, I was actually the newest guy. I wasn't the youngest, but I was the newest guy. Yeah. So the first six months of my life in sumo, I would be like up every three o'clock in the morning. I would wipe down every single stairway, which is four floors, clean four toilets in the morning. And I have to do that before 4.30 in the morning and then go to sumo school, which is uh, where all the newcomers come. They go to sumo school and get disciplined there for six months. Okay. But I, I got to wow. go back and forth to my sumo stable. And I did that by myself because I joined by myself when I joined. I didn't have any guys that joined with me. So I was doing that for four months. And wiping, in those days, we had broom, but we had no mop. So everything was by, by hand. I was on my knees and wiping floors down, making sure I took all the garbage out all before 4.30 because I had to walk to go to school. In a, in a freezing cold, I walked in school. You know, so, and I have these really thin kimonos that I wear because all the young guys, they don't they don't have money. So they have the real thin kimonos. Well, all the top uh-huh. ranks have this thick and they get to wear jackets over the kimonos. I didn't have all that. So, the first six months, actually, um, I had to do that. And then when I came home, I made sure 
I had to make see uh, if my senior guys needed to wash their clothes. I had to go wash their clothes, get back by four o'clock, prepare food for the, the senior guys. And after they eat, we clean up the kitchen and again, go take some washing clothes and wash the clothes. Make sure I'm I'm, I'm back home before 10 o'clock. Make sure all their clothes are nice and full, put at the futon and they're ready for the next day. So that is a repetition every day. Wow. Every okay. day. Wow. Try to 65 days. That's <laughs> that's nuts. Um, is or was was your weight something you were conscious of? I'd read a separate interview, I think, with you where you were saying about how, like, the lighter guys were almost force-fed rice, and like that, you know, they have to get bigger and put on weight because there's no weight limit, is there in sumo? So was it? There's was no it weight a limit. No... Just to get as heavy as possible. Is that is that what you tried to do? For me, I was always big. Like I said, uh, when I joined sumo, I already was in a hundred. 160 kilos, 65 kilos, and I could move for my weight. I just got bigger towards the end of my career. People just look at me at my end because I was already, I busted two knees, I busted my left shoulder, I had broken fingers, and, you know, they all came in when I couldn't run because when I was big at, at my first couple, 10 years, up to 10 years, I was still running, playing tennis, playing basketball, and wow. But once I hurt my knees, I couldn't do, I wasn't as mobile as I wanted to. And I had to change the style of my sumo. But yes, when you come in light, they force feed you. They make sure you eat, man. And there's no such thing. They, all, they got around to like maybe proteins later on, but basically they feed you. They feed you to your sleep and stuff for the young guys and stuff. Really? So that's what some of the some of the senior guys would sit there and watch these young guys who are smaller, eat like six, seven, eight bowls of rice with chunko, which is our main dish, and make sure they watch them eat it. Wow, but but as a, as a sumo, you guys are you're incredibly athletic and agile, even though you you know you're carrying all this weight. Is that is that fair to say? Very fair. Well, there's exercises we can do. I bet you, you two guys cannot do the splits. Yeah. And well, you tell me, you tell me, you find anybody? Well, I've worked with world class surfers. I've worked with world class MMA guys who has been visiting Holloway and came over. None of these top athletes who there's an NFL guy who get paid twenty billion dollars a year cannot do the sumo squats. He cannot lift his leg without falling apart. Yeah, there's no yeah. balance. But but look at us. We all average like five hundred pounds, and we keep our feet there on one feet, balanced. So that just so people listening to that, that's where we spoke about in the pod this week about doing the like the sumo squat, the sumo stomp, where. Yeah, Konshika lifts his leg like up to shoulder height. It lifts his foot up to about shoulder height and then stomps it down as part of the ritual. Now that's that's in, yeah, in, incredible. But it's a great exercise for everybody to do. That's why if you look at one of the base, best baseball players that came out of Japan that played in Japan in the U, in the US, Ichiro. If you look at his routine, he always comes out and do that flexible. His waist is so flexible. His, his hips, right? Okay. So that's why you got to remember sumo is a full contact sport all year round. For a sport that contacts all year round, they prevent a lot of injuries because of the flexibility. Okay. Yeah. We have 50 major matches, a, a tournament, which is six times a year. Yeah. And we got to train before these tournaments. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Just on the, on the, on the weight part and the, the Chanko Nabe. Is that right? Have mm. I pronounced that right? Yeah. We're reading as well about just drinking a lot of beer as well. So at lunchtime. That, is that that's not true? true. Okay. Yeah. No, that's good to hear. Uh, bef- we drink a lot, but we, we, we party. When we party, we can put away a lot of liquor. 
but not as much now. I don't think, you know, the new generation of guys, not like, you know, I guess it's a different trend now, but my time when we we're, when we're in, when I was in sumo, you know, it's kind of stressful job we do. And then we, we really don't even drink during tournaments or, or like uh, before tournaments because it's the strenuous trainings we go through. But mostly it's that we have that like f- three, four days off right after the tournament. I don't think anybody's up, man. They're all freaking like dead to the bone. I just, I just go out and drink myself to sleep, man. Okay. So um, these tournaments then, they, they happen, was it every other month? And then it, within the tournament, there are fifth, you have 15 matches. So basically, you know, every other month, six times a year, you're, you're having, what, 15 matches, one a day. Um, that must be pretty tiring and intense, right? Get used to it. I remember my first couple. There's, um, there's six levels of sumo. In a fourth one, the bottom, the bottom level to the fourth level, they have seven out of the 15. So they're trying to fight to get into the top two, which is only 60. So like right now, there's like 600-something sumotori, but the only ones that really are, are are noticeable and getting paid and are ranked are only the top 60. So okay. the guys on the bottom don't get paid. Yeah. Only the top. But yeah. they're supported by the stable. They live in the stable. They, they're... they're uh, the insurance with uh, medical and everything is taken care of. The board and everything is they fed, but the top six is the only one get paid. So um, the idea is try to get up there as soon as you can, when you can, which is majority don't, maybe 80% don't make it. Okay. And then even if you're like the top 60 people, I always say this, maybe the top 60, out of the 60 people, the guys that really make it out of life and make it good is probably less than 40%. Wow, it's a hard job because you got to keep every rank by winning. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. It, it must be pretty intense for those fifteen days that you're in in competition. It's, it, 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 it's strenuous, not only to mentally, it's more strenuous than your body get used to it because you train, but mentally, it's it's a it's a it's a mind game. Every damn tournament, like if you're feeling good, then it's good. But when you got some pain that you got to fight with, it's it's mentally bubbling, and you always trying to stay away from distractions as much as you can. So we were, we were talking about how you can win a sumo match and we were reading about your style. So you were, you were known for your pushing techniques. So the Oshidashi. Uh, I'm known for the dump truck, the dump truck. (laughs) And and your, was your nickname as well? Yeah. 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 What out came from your country. (laughs) Somebody got, I got those names from actually England. Okay. Nice. So my style was, uh, my technique was most taking advantage of my power and taking advantage of my body, my body weight, and because I was big and strong. Because there's no way I could, later on in my career, I could find out. Every time I lost is when I went to the belt. You got to remember, these guys are doing like sumo since they're like three years old. You know, okay. you know they're doing little baby sumo when they were like babies. So it's like judo. They, they wake up in the morning in a judo throw or something. So my boss taught me. My, po- my boss actually taught me you cannot go for the belt because they they throw your ass no matter how big you are, no okay. matter how strong you are. They get the different things. Sumo consists of 84 different techniques. Yes. And it comes from Aikido, Judo, and Karate. So I always tell people before you had MMA, sumo was always the mixed martial arts from the beginning because yeah. we get to kick, we get to hit you in the face, we get to broke your nose. If we have to we get to open hand, hand, hand you, as long as you don't punch you, it's legal. To hit you in the face. Yeah. 
And, and so the, the aim is either yeah pushing people out or trying to get them to or throw to me in the ring. Yeah. Anything but the bottom of your feet touches the floor of the ring, yep. you lose the match. So like if you like you go like in a throw like a judo throw, and two guys are going down. If your hair, your chomange, with your hair do touches the ring, you lose. Yep. Yeah. So wow. it's really watch. That's why you see around the ring. The next time you watch sumo, watch the ring because all outside the ring is fine sand. Before you had the videos to check if the guy stepped out or night, they could tell if the guy's ankles or toes stepped out by the print on the sand. Okay. Yeah. That, wow. That's why the sand is always sweep every single time they go back into the ring. Those guys who work around the ring always go around and make sure where the guy where the guy walks, make sure all the sand is back, back and clean. That's why the sand is there. Before they had the videos, that's how the judges were looking at you okay. see where the toe came out nice nice um, we were we were getting into the rituals in that weren't we liam we were really interested you in the rituals weren't we yeah could you just talk us through some of the rituals because obviously you know our listeners will have seen you throw in the salt and you're stomping your feet and you're lifting your hands up to the air and and the water and things i don't know could you just just run through what what some of them were and, and perhaps you know do you know why you do them the salt is to purify the ring and the okay. salt plays a huge uh, part in Japanese culture. For instance, when you leave your house to go to to pay respect for a funeral, you put salt at your door. Okay. Oh, wow. And, and then when you come home back, when you go to these funerals, they give you an envelope with salt in it. But when you come back home, before you get in the door, you throw salt on your body to chase away the spirits that you, you got from the funeral. Wow. So, And then the other thing they use salt for is they use it to bless their rings. If you go, if, if you look at the opening of any big tournament, uh, any stable that renews their ring, it's always you have the three salt that faces the ring to bless the ring. Okay. So that's what the salt is, to purify the ring. The ceremony thing is a Shinto thing, to show respect to your opponent that you're coming in fairly, that you don't have a, a 338 in your pocket, you don't have a pocket knife, <laughs> you don't have nothing to so it's to show that you're coming as a fair sumotori. You come in, you fight it with your bare hands, and you come in to fight fair. That's what the ceremony is. Thank you to the gods for giving us the time to wrestle, the respect to our gods and the respect to your opponent. And the other thing you see there's to us when you cheer, like how you see in Washington Square with people, yeah, we did it. Ah, soccer. Everybody's like jumping up and down do the death. We're not allowed to do this because to us, if I win a match and I go, yeah, it's disrespecting my opponent. Yeah. Okay. So it's all about respect. This is built around respect. The way we go up, we bow. We're grateful for the opportunity to be there. We're grateful to be the top 60. We're grateful to actually represent Sumo as a whole. It's, it's what all this ceremony thing is about. The water that we drink is called power water, chikaramizu, which is power. We don't drink it, but we drain ourselves to, to give us strength right before a match. And even if we're the real major tournaments, the guys actually who gives the water cannot be a guy who lost the match before. It has to be the guy who's going up next. Always The guys who give the water is always a winner. A winner to a winner. Because okay. it's bad oh, luck to get okay. water from a loser. So if you see the matches you watch the tournaments, the guys that lost and left, and the guys who's wrestling after is going to get water from the guy who's getting wrestled before, after him. But you can see the other side who won, he's always going to give water to the next opponent. 
So okay. everything has a has a meaning to it, and everything is ranked. All the guys you see around the ring, you have to be a certain rank to give water to a certain person. You cannot be a lower rank giving water to a higher rank. Understood. Okay. Yeah. There's so so much tradition, and the other thing that I know you were saying about it being intense for those couple of weeks with the Hombasho with the with the tournament is um, that. It, the, the match can often be quicker than the the lead up to it in terms of so are we right in saying that you you start the match when both opponents put their fists on the floor but just watching some of the videos there's a lot of mind games that go on where people you'll come you'll come to the ring you'll squat down and it looks like you're about to start and then someone will walk off can you just like talk us through some of those mind games it's actually a more mind game before the now now because everything is about the tv they got to do it within four minutes or five minutes, whatever it is. But they're not allowed to start until the referee says to go. The Gyoji's on in the middle. Okay. He will let you know when to go. Of course, you can false start before he even tells you, but your opponent has to be ready to go too, which we did. I did a lot during my career. And people hated me about it because I was ready to go anytime. The first going <laughs> uh, down at it. And if you go back in my, my, my era, we did that a lot because we were like fired up. We wanted to kill each other. Yeah. And as long as your opponent accepts the challenge, you can't go. Okay. But there's a lot so, of like going to the line, crouching down and then walking away, isn't there? And yeah, like, because, wipe, because, your because face everything down. is, everything is timed. There's yeah. a timekeeper. The guys, the judges you see in black are all judges. And there's a timekeeper at one of the corners that will let us connected to the TV. So they will let the guy, the Gyoji, which is the referee, know that you got to let them know they got to go on this count. They right. have to go. Yeah. Okay. So that's why you see when they go back, you can tell they're ready to go. When they go back, they get the towels to wipe themselves down and everything. That's when you know they're going to go on the next jump. You, you've talked and mentioned a few times about the ranking. And can you just, is it called Kachikoshi, where you have more wins than losses? So you have your 15 matches and then you end up with like a, a, an overall score, like I don't know, 11-4 or whatever. And the more, obviously the more wins you have, you just move up the rankings. And then as you lose, you move back down. Is that essentially it? Exactly. So the major major guys on the top, the minor league guys and the major league guys, they have 15 days of a, of the tournament, which is one match a day. So the idea is to win more majority of the 15 days to get up and, or to try not to lose more than majority because you're going to lose your rank. Yeah. Okay. Very clear. It's very clear. That's why it's, uh, the, the, the hard thing about this whole thing, like the hardship about it is you can be a high rank, like over here, like on the like judo area, the, the bottom 30. So if you lose your rank, you're getting paid at least maybe 50 to close to uh, about 16 grand dollars a month for being in that rank. Okay. But if you lose the following month, you're only getting like 400 bucks. Wow. Okay, that is a that so, is a drop. Yeah, people don't know that. People don't know that. You think you're professional, you make it. You lose your rank, you lose everything. That's like a lot of these guys cannot get married because they can't afford to get married. Wow. And and for you, your your career you fight was your way there. Your your career was, I was incredible. I, I was, you were, I was, I was Ozeki, up there right? most of my career. I went up there my whole most of my whole career, and I still hold a record for one of the fastest to get up there. Yeah, eight tournaments, and I hold a record for being the fastest to be a junior champion which is uh, 14 tournaments, which is only two years and a half. 
think an average guy to even make it to junior five years, which is 30 yeah. tournaments. Yeah, it was incredible. And so you you got all the way up to Ozeki. So yeah, I made I mean, it up. I was the first foreigner to ever become an Ozeki. Amazing. I was the first guy to have to become a champion in sumo, and which is 1987. Super close to being Yokozuna, right? Got close, got close, bro. You know, I was the first to hit the wall. So I was an, uh, a beast that Japan wasn't used to, too. And I, I clearly understood where I stood. You know, they were like dealing with something they never saw before. They had Takami Yama who got me into sumo that went up to junior champion. But um, I did a lot of stuff that even a normal, a normal top college guy wouldn't do. You know, I came in. Less than in two years, I was already fighting for the Empress Cup. I was beating, I bet I would beat two grand champions within my second tournament as a top. And I came to runner up. I almost won the tournament within like less than two, two and a half years. Wow. So um, knowing that, you know, um, for me, still a young boy, man, I had, I had a, my journey was, uh, I knew exactly where I wanted to do. And I didn't understand what I was doing. All I knew is I won. I could get paid and help my parents or something. And I exactly knew what my goals are and what I was here for. I just wanted to actually find a way to support my family. And the only way I could support is by winning. The more wins, the more money, man. But then obviously you've got that pressure then, because if you start losing, you know, you're going to drop down. Is it, is it a quick foot? I mean, do you have to lose? Is it just one tournament you have to have a losing record in, or does it have to be maybe two or three tournaments of like a poor performance? Depending on where you rank, like like the junior, the bottom 60, there's 15 on each side on the top two. So 15 on the east and 16 on the west. So if you're on the bottom, the bottom 60, and you're like in the middle, you look like you lose like something like 13 matches, you're guaranteed you're gonna lose a match. So yeah. the rankers, the, the the guys in black will actually rank you by and drop you by how much you lose and how much the guys on the bottom win. So the ranking fluctuates every single tournament and you yeah. better that's why you cannot be worrying about you cannot be worrying about um if you're gonna get be there or not you just better win because there's no way <laughs> yeah. out <laughs> yeah, absolutely as you um as, as you got higher ranked as you got to this ozaki you, you were saying earlier about being in the stable and being sort of the lower lower end of the totem pole i guess as you got higher up do you then back at the stable? Are you then able to tell people go and clean the toilets and go and wash all these stairs that I've been doing for the last four months? You know exactly. Everything turns around. <laughs> and I just had an it. I just had an interview that I talk about this a lot. Yeah, how do you stay motivated? I just just well, when um when people treat you like uh, crap, you know you take advantage of that. The good thing about sports, you can get back to your opponent. Just knock the shit out of them. And then, and I was saying this because I, I got motivated. I was fired up all the time because I told myself, if this guy pick on me, like after practice and stuff like that, it's all cool. I just say thank you. And then I'm going to kill you tomorrow morning at practice and practice. And that's what motivated me all the time. I would get up earlier than anybody before anybody even come to practice at 530. I was already up. I'm, I'm already, I worked out like an hour and a half for it before anybody okay. came. And, yeah. and I wanted, I wanted to kill guys in practice. Which I exactly was trying to do, because I told myself I kill these guys in practice. It's legal, right? <laughs> as long as I kill them legally, it's 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 a it's a weird way to look at it. But that's the way I looked at it because it motivated me all the time. I didn't go. I didn't need to go nowhere. These guys were treating me like shit. Was actually helping me get better because 
I wanted to kill every single guy that treated me like that. They had that. They had the authority to do that because they're higher. It's seniority. Everything is about seniority. So they get to push me around. They get to kick me. They get to freaking piss on me. They get to tell me, wake me up two o'clock and I want to go grab me a Coke. They get to do that. The part, that's, they have the right. Yeah. But I have the right to kill them in practice legally. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's what I take. I, I took advantage of that. And I, it kept me motivated. Well, and, that's, and by the end of the day, all these guys like, once they knew I was starting to move up the rank, within less than eight months, these guys was not picking on me no more. They knew I was coming to kill people. Yeah, yeah. All the guys who treated me like shit actually were starting to change. They were like, they would take me out for dinner and no one actually to do anything anymore. Wow. Do you think that they, did they try harder against you with you being a foreigner? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. They don't like any newcomer that coming to someone. They want to prove them wrong. They, they didn't really have good. They, they didn't have great luck with me. <laughs> <laughs> Not with me, brother. I'm a Samoan kid, man. <laughs> Amazing. One thing I wanted to ask you, just slightly like easier, I guess. We butchered a whole load of Japanese pronunciation, like words, to do with sumo. I wondered if you could just tell me if I'm saying these correctly. So I, okay. I'm going to tell you a word, and you just tell me if this is right. So. Is the thing you wear, okay. is it called a mawashi? Perfect, mawashi. Yes. Okay, and the stomping of your feet, is that called chirichozu? Kirijozu, kirijozu. Kirijozu, eh? Well, Liam, Liam say it properly, yeah, man. That was, sounds like cheerio, sounds like a cereal. Sounds like a cereal. Kirijozu, Kiri kirijozu. 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 I don't know. Kirijozu, <laughs> um, like Big Joe Jozu. The um the salt throwing is that called shiomaki? Shio shiomaki, yes. Shio is shio is salt and maki is throwing. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I got those words right then, only basically when we did the episode. Yeah, good work. I like that. Yeah, really <laughs> good. So now, Kanashiki, yeah. now you're 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 obviously a retired sumo wrestler. So what what is it that that life's life has held for you since moving out of sumo and what is it that you you do now well i'm an entertainer i created my own company i self-manage myself uh i've done some of the biggest commercials here in japan i i have i've been doing an educational show for it's a government it's a government run nhk the biggest tv station i've been doing a a education like a sesame street show for 20 years now okay i've been radio dj I'm just releasing my 14th album this next month, um, celebrating 40 years in Japan. I do promotionals. I, I speak not only with uh, foreign companies, but majority of Japanese companies, but I still speak to a lot of foreign uh, companies, the international business world in Japan. I'm involved a lot. with, And then I do a lot of, if you go to, I don't know if you went to my my YouTube channel, I, I've done some really uh, private uh uh, sumo tours with some of the world's biggest companies and yeah. I've been working with. And um, I got hired to do jobs to go and perform in Dubai and Oman. And I was invited by the King of Dubai and I've done international things a lot. And I, we just, I just did a, a documentary that was shown in Europe, um, the giants and, and that was shown in Europe by Lakshen. Okay. And, um, and it, it's uh, this Corona thing, this uh, pandemic has actually gave me time to go out and see like you, you guys interested in sumo. 
Yes. I'm looking, I'm seeing that there's so much interest in sumo that I didn't know there was interest in it for a long time. But there's like in Europe, in Russia, and where the war is going on right now, they have sumo tournaments every almost every week. Wow. They have wow. they have teams in, in actually UK, they have they have teams in America, they have teams in Australia, they have teams in New Zealand. It's international. Well, they have the international world games every year. So maybe something you guys could check out because it's, it's unreal. The European teams are badass. They're strong. Nice. But none of them are, are professional. There's no professional league. The only professional league you yeah. find in Japan because you have to start young. It's it, it's a young man's sport. You talk about young. You have to be. That's why they start at 15 or start right after high school here. But just talking about you doing all of that work and extra promotional stuff, like we, you are to us, like Mr. Sumo and we couldn't have had a better topic expert to talk to. And even just for people listening, so the, the picture that we used this week, I don't know if you just want to give us a little bit of a, a background on the picture that we used, which is a, a super iconic one of yourself. And that was when you were actually over in England, wasn't it? Exactly. It was uh, our Twitter, uh, I think it was uh, Albert Hall. And um, there's so much memories about that, you know, grew up. I didn't really know about anything about Europe, Europe until I joined Sumo and saw things. And wow, this is where they have concerts and stuff like that. But the other thing I remember so much about the um, the trip, that photo too, not only the photo, but the that, the trip to England when uh, Lady Diana them got married, when they came here for the honeymoon to Japan, I hosted them. Oh, wow. Sumo. Oh, wow. You can go back and there's a photo of me actually talking to them after the day they came to watch Sumo. So I hosted them upstairs after the matches. I went up and they wanted me to come because I spoke English, right? So I was actually hosting them. And the funny thing, when I came down for, the, we were staying at the hotel right by the castle, where they by um in we Windsor, back on the back fence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a back gate that comes out of by the hotel, and I was walking around and she was actually driving a car. She stopped and say hi to me. I still remember <laughs> that, and, and and that's why it freaked me out. I thought I thought she had securities with her, but she was driving on her own and stuff. You're you're a hard guy not to miss, she, though, right? You're a hard guy not to oh, miss. Well, well, I was bigger than her car, so she kind of noticed me right away. <laughs> how, that's, how big did and, you get up to, Panashiki? What was your what was your biggest weight? The then? heaviest, the heaviest I got was like I don't know what that is stones, but I got up to like six seventy. I got real big towards the end. I got really sick. People don't know. I'm coming out with my book in October. I almost died a few times doing sumo because of injuries and stuff like that. So but at the end, lost, I was just, I was, trying, I was trying now. to, I've lost like almost over 300 pounds. Wow. Wow. Yeah, wow. I've, I went down. I, I did um, the gastric bypass, what, maybe over 10 years ago. Okay. And, you know, I was, you know, even as big as I am, it, my weight didn't stop me from doing what I do. I was at I was at that weight, and I was traveling all over the world. I was, I was doing documentaries in Jamaica. I went to Turkey. I went to uh, Italy, and I was like all over the place. I was in Hong Kong. I went to Africa and stayed in the jungle in Kenya at that weight. Now, at that yeah. weight, I could I've, get around. Yeah. I've just looked so, that but, up. I've just had to look that up, Kanashiki. Liam, am I right in saying yeah. that? 670 pounds is about 47 yes. stone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that yeah. is mind-boggling. Yeah, and then you can still do this, you can still do the splits, you can still do the, the sumo stomp. I can go do... see the, the thing is the uh, people at my way, it's not normal to have me walking around or doing anything, period. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What do you guys think? 
and I was traveling the world at my biggest weight. Wow. Yeah. I was actually going all over the world doing documentaries. And that's when and that's when I was really hot. I was the hottest topic in Japan. I was I was like the actually called the, the commercial king. I was making more commercials than anybody. And I was raking in the dollars like crazy. Nice. And that was, it was just right after my retirement. So retired after my, my first five, six years out of sumo. It's crazy. That's why I made made most of my money. And that's how I built my homes and, and everything. And then the good thing about it, I didn't belong to nobody. I I, I wasn't to no production or ages. ages. I created my own company. Yeah, and I, I, yeah. I self-managed myself. Street smart, you know, just take advantage of what I know. And as long as I don't, as long as I don't lose millions, it's good. If I lose a few thousands, it's okay. You know, I'm not that dumb. <laughs> right? I, yeah, live and learn is the best thing. And learning on the spot is the best way to learn because it helps you later on. I'm turning 60 next year, you know. Just trying to enjoy life and try to, you know, people like you guys who are interested in sumo get you guys the real, the real stars and the real thing about sumo. Because people look at sumo and I, and that's why I stayed away from sumo amateur because the mentality they look at it like it's a joke to me, bro. It ain't no freaking joke. <laughs> not too many people, not too many people can last. And even the foreigners just came here. Majority of foreigners never made it. Yeah, yeah. That's why you don't hear I don't them. Think, the ones that I don't. You know? Not sure I'd make it, Ollie. Do you reckon you'd make it? No, I wouldn't stand a chance. I absolutely. Well, <laughs> considering as well, um, I don't know. It, it, it's hard work, but you you're not even allowed. You know, you know. The other thing people say, what is the hardest part of being in Japan? Is I lose I lose every connection to my family. Yeah. You know, my I lost my grandmother. I I I didn't have time to stay with my mom. When by the time I got to my mom, she died in the hospital and. Yeah, I never went to anybody's funerals, and it was weddings. And, you know, you're not allowed to do none of that. Such you a know, and that's just a, commitment a and sacrifice. sacrifice. Yeah, and that's why I say I live my life living the three C's, the triple C's. You have to have the courage to conquer, the, the, the courage to commit to conquer. Wow, I like that. Nice. And well, next time Liam and I are over in Japan, we'll be getting in contact with you we'd love to have a, a sumo tour from yourself next time we're over i was just going to say thank you for being on our on our podcast and being our expert it has been amazing talking to you about all things sumo and uh just clearing up loads of the questions we had after our research and um, i'm pretty sure the listeners it's, a, are love it's it. a pleasure as long as i can help you guys uh, knowledge get your knowledge more more about sumo and stuff and uh you know there's so much great about sumo that can be taught in other you know, the sports because it's the discipline and, you know, the way we carry ourselves. We are more f- afraid to lose because yeah. of stupid things we do than losing on the match. Yeah. You know, what we do outside of our, our actual sumo is actually what makes sumo great because we feel like we always have to be at our best behavior always wherever we go. And the guys that stay with the teaching actually be, make, see, like, like I said, 80% of guys ain't going to make it. But because they're so disciplined, when they go to the world where a lot of them are become so successful. Yeah. Yeah. Anything they do, because they, they don't fight pressure. They are the, some of the nicest guys. They won't say shit. They just work. And they know how to, they don't have to sleep. They have so much energy at, you know, joining Sumo at 15 and quitting after 10 years. They're only 25. And I talk that I talk about that a lot with the Japanese business people, and they all freak out. How can we get that energy into our companies? I thought, well, you have to send them to sumo. 
do sumo for maybe two to three <laughs> years. I guarantee you, they're going to learn how to they're going to learn how to respect and know how to work. And, and you know, which is right now, it's hard in the world. Just shut up and work. You know, and that's how we learn. And then that's how some of these guys are so successful. I freak out, guys that never even made it to the third level, own hotels and started from nothing. It just work. They know I just know how to work, which is the good thing about. The thing they take away from sumo is that the discipline to to want to just work and just don't cause any trouble and respect and caring that they're like a former sumo wrestler. It's a huge thing for all the sumo wrestlers. Thank you to the internet because I've connected to a lot of guys and they all talk about the same thing. I'm so glad I did sumo, even though it was freaking hard. Even though I wouldn't do it if I do it. They had a question: Do you be another sumo wrestler if you had a chance to do it again? Everybody said no. Even I said no. <laughs> <laughs> incredible it's not easy man it's 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 hard work man. so good so good thank you so so much and um it's been an absolute pleasure having you as our expert have a good one man anytime you guys want to do chapter two part two uh, let me know ollie how interesting was that oh what do you reckon wow right up there with one of my favorite topic experts that we've ever had it's unbelievable just to think of his journey how he was a foreigner how he broke in and then how successful he was it's just incredible and then like what life in the stable was like how he told us he told us what we'd read was actually true yeah it's um it's a shame we can only talk for as long as we could because i reckon we could just keep asking him questions about being a sumo um, well, I always write the questions when we do our interviews and I, I messaged you earlier in the week saying, I reckon I could come up with a hundred questions for this guy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I suppose we got it as short as we did. Yeah, really, really interesting. Hopefully everybody enjoyed that. And just all of the, the, the rituals and the respect and yeah, one of those things that we didn't really touch on too much in the main pod was just about even if you lose, you then still maintain that respect and you go back yeah. and you bow and it's, yeah, there's, there's none yeah. of that fist bumping and cheering. But no, yes, super interesting. Yeah, so hopefully you've all enjoyed that. If you want to send us any of your thoughts or questions or anything, you know, now Konoshiki is a friend of the pod. If you've got any questions about Sumo, let us know. We'll fire them over to him. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Two Guys One Topic. But hopefully you enjoyed that. And we'll be back next week with a new topic. Get out there and share some Sumo knowledge. Mm-hmm.